Farron Manuel here with Jamal Barber of Studio Noise for a special uh, edition of Biotalks. We're here today with the curator of Afrocosmologies, American Reflections, Frank Mitchell. How's it going, Frank? It's good. It's good. How about you there? I'm well. I'm well. Could you could you uh, just kind of lead in with the with a bit of info about Afrocosmologies? the show and also just the basic details like the runtime sure afrocosmologies uh is an exhibition at the wadsworth Athenaeum here in hartford connecticut uh it is a partnership between the amasat center for art and culture and the wadsworth Athenaeum and the petrucci family foundation for american african-american art uh the exhibition celebrates the work of black artists across an incredible spectrum and a number of of centuries. Artists who are thinking about and working within a paradigm in which they're exploring and making sense of spirituality and the journey uh, of black spirituality uh, from parts of West Africa out into the Americas uh, and right into the present. Nice, nice. Yeah, so this is uh, Jamal Barber coming in. So when you start with Afrocosmologies, like where did where does this term come from? I haven't heard it like that much. So can you explain a little bit for us? Yes. Uh, Afrocosmologies is definitely a word that's out there, uh, but we wanted to give it our own gloss. Uh, as we sat down with the uh, works from the three collections, the Amazonas collection, the Wadsworth collection, and the Trucci Family Foundation's collection, we were looking at the, the places where there seemed to be some convergence and where there might be some kind of conversation already happening. And what really emerged from all of that sort of chunking down was spirituality, that there was a lot of work in both collections, or all three collections, that kind of pulled us towards the discussion of spirituality. And so that's kind of where we started. And once we had that as an anchor, uh, the Africana aspect uh, seems fairly obvious. Uh, what we were trying to do was make some kind of order or create create some kind of a cosmos with all of this work that we had uh, before us. And, you know, there's hundreds of pieces in the Petrucci collection. It's... Uh, thousands of pieces in the Amistad Tennis collection, and it's tens of thousands, or maybe not, but, uh, but tens of thousands of pieces in the Wadsworth collection. So lots of work to pull from. And then how do we make some kind of a universe or create some kind of order? And uh, as we were doing all that, the idea of uh, cosmology and Afro-cosmology uh, kept kind of popping up, and that was sort of how we agreed on a title, or at least that part of the title. And and the challenge has been, how do we talk about it? How do we make sure visitors and other folks who are engaging with the show can understand our process and understand why we chose uh, that term? But it felt like the cosmos making order uh, and the Africana as part of that moment really should lead us to commit to Afrocosmologies as the right title for the show really uh looking at the artist and diving into the concept i see you um are presenting works from artists at different stations in their in their journeys so whether they're well established mm-hmm. or emerging 
So say you have like a Willie Cole and then you have uh, Ify uh, Shanija, who uh, is I, I consider more so an emerging artist, which I think is a, a great thing, too. But you have these artists from experiences and backgrounds across the diaspora and they're interfacing with this Americana culture and just kind of creating a unique uh, perspective in a unique genre of art through all of this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to uh, kind of highlight too that uh, Adama Delphine Fuwandu, who is a photographer, mm-hmm. I actually interviewed her for Black Art in America, I think in about 2015. And something that was brought up in that interview is that you had an African uh, concept of reality before uh, Africans were uh, brought into Western culture. And I just wanted uh, to just kind of ask if you were if you were able to highlight in the show, maybe I say a distinction of uh, pre and post interaction with uh, Western civilization in a way. Yeah, there, there are lots of really interesting connections in in the constellation of works and where people are in their journey as artists and how that aligns with the various uh, collection histories. So the works that the Wadsworth has been collecting over the past uh, 50, 60 years and the kinds of artists that have emerged because of that or the ways we see these artists, and they look like people who now are well-known and well-established uh, in, in many cases. Uh, the kinds of works that we've been collecting at the Amistad Center, we're a younger organization, so some folks who are established and some folks who are kind of in the middle of their moment, and then the kind of work that's being collected uh, at Petrucci. And so having all those artists in conversation has been really, really exciting, and it's been great people have shown up in the gallery and said, wow, it's, it's amazing to be in a show with this person or that person. And some of the people actually know each other from art school, and some people know each other from other exhibitions. Some of them, they're surprised or, or gratified to be on a wall with somebody who, you know, like a Jacob Lawrence or someone else who's long gone and who's left this incredible legacy. And along with that, there is this whole conversation about the journey of spirituality out of West Africa and into the Americas. And we wanted to find a way to recognize that and salute that and give people a bit of history if they didn't have it, but not overwhelm them. And so that's always the challenge in the negotiation is how much can you tell people, uh, how much new information can you give them, and how much can you uh, reaffirm what they already know in the context of showing them incredible works of art. So it's a lot to, to present. And I think we tried hard to find ways, particularly through the work, through the art itself, and possibly in the labels. Uh, we also have some great audio from many of the artists who want to talk about their work, and we're grateful to them for doing that. And we've created some interactives that sort of remind people of some of the big ideas and themes, nature, God and humanity, uh, ritual, origins, so that at each section, you might have some kind of interactive. The cosmogram is one of the, the sort of ideas that we're trying to feature throughout the exhibition experience, introducing it in the opening section of nature. 
as a, a mind map, a way that people have made sense of uh, where they are in the spiritual world uh, forever. So Native folks know it as a medicine meal, the Greeks knew it, and certainly folks in West Africa knew it uh, as that kind of crossroads with a circle around it. And we're featuring a bunch of different kind of circular uh, pieces throughout the nature section, and that reappears in other sections. And at one point in the gallery, we have space for a, a community cosmogram interactive where people can actually answer questions uh, in the four quadrants, try and make sense of where they see themselves uh, in Hartford uh, along the lines of, you know, nature and spirituality and ritual and God's humanity. So we, we, we've done some things like that to sort of message these ideas that are in the exhibition, uh, certainly through the art that's on the wall, but also uh, these big concepts that are in the labels and in the, in the wall text and hopefully in some of these interactive moments so people are reminded or those ideas are reinforced. Can you give us an idea of, of how many works are in the show? And uh, you talked about the different categories, nature, ritual, gods and humanities, and origins. Like, can you give us like a few pieces uh, in uh, some of the categories or, or some that pop out to you as examples of representing those categories uh, the way that you intended? Sure. So the exhibition has uh, about 130 books. Uh, some of those are multi-series uh, pieces, and so maybe 100 and something artists, but 130 actual objects in the show. Uh, and nature is the opening section, and there's some really great work, and there probably is the greatest span of work in nature. So uh, one of the oldest pieces in the show is by Robert S. Duncanson, and it would be sort of in the 19th century, mid-19th century, uh, about the time of the Civil War. And it's his recollections of Italy. And one of the more, probably the most contemporary piece is a piece that Marin Hassinger uh, did with uh, community members in October. Uh, it's a companion piece to a piece called Our Lives, which is made of uh, twisted New York Times. So it's a newsprint mandala. So you get that circle again in, in in her piece, yeah. and she did a companion piece with uh, folks who came in for a Saturday afternoon program. She probably had 50 or 60 people hanging out in a room, uh, twisting newsprint and talking over uh, the big moments in their lives and sort of what's happening in the world. Uh, little kids, grandparents, uh, college students, uh, some staff at the museum were in there. It's a really nice cross-section of people, and then we marched all those pieces up uh, into the gallery, and everybody installed uh, their little chain of newsprint uh, with her guidance. So uh, lots of span between that work. Uh, so Marin Hassinger, uh, Robert S. Duncanson, we've got a wonderful piece from the Wadsworth Collection, uh, a Bob Thompson piece, uh, The Garden of Music from the 1960s. Uh, and, and then some abstraction in the section too. So the Wadsworth has a beautiful Alma Thomas piece, Red Azalea's Jubilee, and that's on view in this section. Now, you also, you know, how you noted the uh, the subcategories of nature, ritual, uh, nature, ritual, guys, and origins. Uh, essentially, mm -hmm. 
you know, with this, with the concept of this show with Afro cosmologies versus I would say the most, the more general uh, cosmology in the society. Uh, something I always say is that realities conflict. And sometimes ideas from one culture might not um, mirror ideas from another culture. So you have people that are essentially coming to uh, to the exhibit with a set worldview. And I wanted to just kind of hear a bit more about the interactives in these different sections and, and how you use the interactives to kind of introduce uh, people to looking at things that, you know, we're familiar with, like nature, uh, gods, rituals, but in, in a different way. Uh, yeah, so we, we have lots of guiding text to help kind of give people some sense. We've got a great catalog that does some of that work, too. People really want to know more. And we've been scheduling lots of great gallery talks, and the docents have been pretty excited about this show. So there's been uh, numerous opportunities to jump in and hear somebody uh, pull out uh, an important work from the show. So um, I think today there's probably one of the docents doing sort of a, a lunchtime gallery talk about one of the pieces in the exhibition. Uh, and the interactives have been a nice way of messaging that for younger audiences or family audiences. Uh, we have one interactive station in which you get to make your own sort of spirit guide. Mm -hmm. And that's been fairly popular. Uh, the community cosmogram uh, has been another nice way. And people have left a lot of answers. It's sort of a table with a decal that gives you a chance to respond. And then you can leave your answers in uh, one of the holders so people can come along and be inspired by what you've written and respond in that way too. Uh, and we tested that out with some of the college groups that were coming through as we were uh, putting the show together. And we got a good response and lots of great conversation uh, from sort of our neighbors, our undergraduate neighbors who came through. And uh, I think the, the most fun one was one of the questions is, which gods or humans inspire you? And one of the days, one of the undergraduates wrote Beyonce. You know, <laughs> the American guys. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, hey, could be your grandmother, could be Beyonce. Like, People are like, yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> no, that's real. Yeah, so we're getting all kinds of answers. But yeah, it's been good. It's, it's a nice way of helping people to see what the Cosmogram does and what it means and how it could live in their own lives every day. So we've been, it's been fun to see that. So as you're looking at um, all these pieces, like as a whole, um, is a lot of the kind of mythology that's being expressed, the spirituality part of it, does it, does it have African origins or is it kind of like a mixture of, of something in between, like the way that um, slaves, enslaved people um, took Christianity and kind of morphed it into a new form that, that they could live with in process? I think what's great about the the range of work is that it does some of all of that, that there are pieces that clearly are about the struggle around having Christianity or interacting with Christianity and making sense of it. There are pieces that clearly are about uh, the moment before that. Uh, so a Radcliffe Bailey piece or a Kara Walker piece in which you really see uh, folks wrestling with the idea of 
Christianity and African indigenous religions and sort of the role of water in sort of spreading it all out there, or uh, Carrie Marshall's piece, uh, Baptist, which is all about sort of that tension between the old-time religion that people are leaving West Africa with uh, and baptism and the religions that they're finding in the new world. So as people get more skilled at reading the work, and there are lots of ways to think about that tension between the old world and the new world, uh, and gods and humanity, sort of, and the breath and the space between, so between uh, prophetic black Christianity on one hand and uh, Condomble or uh, Vaudun or something like that. And I think there, there's work throughout the sections that speak to all those things. And as as part of it, also the idea that um, spirituality is um, part of an understanding of individuality, or as kind of the collective meaning of blackness uh, inside of America over these years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the great things about this show, and one of the challenges with this exhibition, was that the artists are coming to these identity questions from so many different places. And it's a chance to celebrate all the ways that in the 21st century, people understand their own subjectivity. Uh, And whether that is across or through intersectionality and seeing themselves as racialized subjects and ethnic subjects and sexualized subjects and gendered subjects and sort of all those ways, even around generation, that people understand having agency and identifying themselves. And, and part of the challenge was, well, how do we talk about the body of this work? Is it work by black artists? Is it work by black American artists? And how much do we want to foreground where each of these artists is in their own journey? And I think we try it hard in the labels to give people the space to claim the identity that seems most present. And for the people who did the tap tours and who included their own audio, was another opportunity to talk about who they were and how the work responds or reflects who they are uh, as subjects today. And that was sort of great. Uh, it was definitely challenging, but it was great. It was great to have that opportunity and to have such a diverse group of artists who see themselves in so many different ways that we could do that. There are great points of convergence. I think one nice thing about having so many works and so many artists in an exhibition like this is that it does remind you of the journey of black artists in America over the centuries and how people have moved from sort of someone like Robert S. Duncanson, who's painting signs and who's painting while other people are still enslaved and who you know, has to end up in Canada at a time and who, whose life and career are both perilous in many ways. We also have in the show two artists who have recently opened uh, residencies uh, through their own resources who are doing well enough that they can fund other artists. So Titus Kafar and Kahindi Wiley, who both have created fabulous new residencies. Oh, yeah, other yeah. Artists, or other artists generally. So the idea that you go from somebody who was on the run at one point to escape sort of uh, the laws around slavery to people who are doing well enough that they're able to kind of you know, build fabulous residencies uh, to support other emerging artists is kind of incredible. And the other thing that seems like a through line in here in this show is the number of artists who 
um, actually have received MFAs and who have received MFAs in some cases at places like Yale. So there are a couple of a subset of artists in the show who all have Yale MFAs. Uh, Martin Perrier and Haldina Pindell and Kintura Davis and Titus Kafar and, and that's kind of a nice thing too. So you, being able to see the progression of uh, black artists and black artists as a professional class right, and yeah. success yeah. In, in this exhibition is kind of a great thing too. Even, um, you know, given the, the Petrucci Family Foundation's mission to, you know, really showcase a full, like a full arc of, you know, the experiences and the modes of uh, visual production from the African-American experience. What are some of the ways that you were able to, because it really seems like this show took a, a diasporic approach. So what are some of the, the, the juxtapositions that you, that you created to kind of, uh, you know, highlight, a, were you highlighting a, a particular experience um, in America while referencing, you know, other artists from, from other, from other places in the world? That's a tough question. Uh, in the nature section, uh, we and we do think a lot about where pieces need to live and what they're in conversation with and sort of who the artists are and what their background is. And there probably are a bunch of moments throughout the galleries where we tried hard to say, oh, this person knows that person and this work speaks to that. And, da, da, da. and so they're, they're sort of layer and layer and layer uh, of connection. Uh, in nature, we have the Robert S. Duncanson uh, landscape, uh, the Recollections of Italy, next to the Bob Thompson uh, piece. And one of the things that I'm hoping people will think about when they're looking at these two fairly sublime landscapes uh, uh, and the ways in which they've peopled these landscapes is, and the hundred years between these two artists, the Civil War moment and the modern civil rights moment is around uh, the relationship to land for black people and how important land was, the promise of the 40 acres, uh, the denial of that promise, and the dream that continues in sort of our connection to the land and the idea of holding on to the land and how important that was in 1865 and how it remains kind of critically important in 2019, and that both those artists working a hundred years apart are thinking about the idea that there is some place on land you can get to where it'll be okay, and how profoundly kind of that appears uh, in Black culture and history kind of over the generations. And so you're the executive director of the Amistad Center for Arts and Culture, and so how did um you get connected and how did this exhibit come into existence in the first place? Like with so many people kind of working together and get it done and, and getting access to uh, a large amount of really spectacular work um, just from the, the extreme, extremely <laughs> great list of artists that you have to choose from. Uh, it's a great testament to, the work of institutions. So the work really only comes from three collections and, and this uh, oh, wow, alliance really? between Amistad and Petrucci and Wadsworth. Uh, and it really does speak to uh, the history of 
these three organizations and, and sort of how countless curators and other administrators have worked to pull in you know, a nice body of work that would allow us this chance to to recognize their efforts in creating these collections and to show this uh, broad body of work. And, and, and that's been great. And one of the nice things about this alliance is that there was such a, a range of work to choose from. And so, you know, this isn't everything in any of the collections. This is a really selected group of works and artists that seem to be telling a story that we could amplify uh, in the galleries. Uh, and most of what, what's in there does make sense at some level in the conversation. Uh, and, and the hard part was sort of all the work that would have been great to include that is in either the Wadsworth collection or in the Amasantanas collection or in the Petrucci collection that we just, that it didn't seem like it made sense with the story we were trying to tell about Afro-cosmologies to include that one. Yeah, that's one of the nice things about this is that it really was, as opposed to shows where you have tons of loans and you've got stuff coming from all over the place, you've got to schedule it and worry about it. This really was uh, much easier at that level, though maybe a lot harder because there were so many other works that we could have drawn in and we just... Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, um, you know, just mining three different collections is a very mm -hmm. uh, interesting way to approach exhibition making. And, you know, also just considering the, I would say the scale of, uh, the scale of the concept of the show and how all of these artists, uh, have been made contemporaries through the filter of otherness, mm -hmm. whether, you know, no matter the time period they lived in, the place they were born in, it's just like a lot of really common experiences that, uh, represent a certain mode of looking at the world. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's just a, you know, a really great, um, you know, concept for a show. You know, it's good to have amazing work that speaks across the generations. And that's, that's, that's really true for each of these institutions, that there's some great work that, you know, whether it was made in 1920 or 1864, you know, it still speaks to us and it still tells a story that resonates with visitors today and, and viewers today. I think one of the challenges for folks who are caring for these collections and trying to interpret them is making sure that in the labels and in the exhibitions and in the interactive, we're finding ways to make, to connect mm -hmm. with the themes and ideas that you know, are timeless mm -hmm. and to reference the things that, you know, feel more specific to where we are now. And I think all those works do that nicely. I think, um, you know, and, and, you know, really, I'm interested to see the show, but, you know, whenever I can, I always do the, the next best thing, which is, um, you know, get in the catalog. So, you know, as we, as we wrap, could you, could you run the, just the run over the basic details again for us as far as, you know, just time and place and, you know, where we can find the catalog online if, if, you know, we don't get the opportunity to experience this show. Sure. Uh, the exhibition Afrocosmologies American Reflections is at the Wadsworth Athenaeum in Hartford. Uh, and if you're in Connecticut, we're at 600 Main Street in downtown Hartford. Uh, that's also the home of the Amistad Center for Art and Culture. The exhibition opened in 
late October, and it's going to run through January uh, of 2020, uh, MLK Day to be exact. And we we always have a big uh, celebration, a community day celebration on MLK Day. So it's a good day to come out and see what we're doing. Uh, and we've got a bunch of programming throughout the run of the show. We've had uh, Radcliffe Bailey and Shanique Smith and Carl Joe Williams and Kimberly Drew in. Uh, we had uh, Dama Delphine Fuindo in. Uh, we'll have Ed Janetta Miller doing a talk in the next couple of weeks. So lots of great programming to kind of animate what's going on in the galleries. Uh, and we do have a, a really nice catalog for this exhibition. And probably the best way to get to that is through the museum shop. I don't know if it's online altogether, but the museum shop definitely can make it accessible. We also have some great postcards and mugs. We went all out on this one. So nice, lots yeah. of ways to remember this exhibition uh, and to recognize these works and the different collections that they come from. And yeah, give us the website uh, so, for the center too. Uh, so... I don't know. I'm happy to look that up. Actually, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That I have to, I don't know that I have any of those websites committed to memory. Um, uh, the Amistad Center's Instagram and Twitter is at Amistad Center, I believe. That's the only one I can remember. Uh, but but yeah, I should send you the Wadsworth or, or confirm the Wadsworth uh, URL, and that's going to have. Yeah, that's going to have the best listing of programs, and it'll direct you to the museum shop uh, for catalogs and, and the other kinds of uh, merchandise. Uh, thank you for your time, Frank. Uh, uh, everyone, this has been Farron, uh, Manuel, and Jamal Barber here, J Barber Studio, with another installment of Biotalks. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with what we have going on at blackartinamerica.com. And to follow us on Instagram at Black Art in America underscore and Black Art in America on Facebook and Twitter. 